Okay. <coughs> Our topic is what? Pictures and types and shadows of Jesus. At the Old Testament, he's trying to give us hints and clues about Jesus. And so we had pictures. Now, turn to the book of Ruth. How many Bible scholars we got? None? Come on! How many Bible scholars we got? Who can tell the story of Ruth? Two main characters. First one is Ruth. Ah, you got that right. Who's the other one? Anybody know? Boaz? What? Naomi. Naomi. So, what's Naomi got to do with Ruth? Before that. She's a mother-in-law. How do you get to be someone's mother-in-law? So Naomi's got sons. Got two sons, one named Malon, one named Chilion. Which one would you rather be married to? Malon or Chilion? Malon sounds better, I agree. So, there's a big famine, and Naomi and her husband and and two boys move out of the country so they can survive the famine. And the two boys get married. There's one woman named Orpha and the other one named Ruth. Alright, so her husband, whose name is Elimelech, I'd like to be married to him. He dies. Right. Naomi's still okay. She's got two boys. And these guys die. And so who's left? Ruth and Orpha. And so Naomi says to them, look, you're not Israelite. You're from the country of Moab and your families are here so go back to your families and let them take care of you because I can't anymore and Orpa says okay I'll do just that I'll go back to my family and so she says to Ruth well you go back Ruth says no I won't entreat me not to leave me this is a Verse out of Ruth, 
Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to turn back from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Okay, that's what Ruth said. Anybody ever heard that verse before? They use it when? At weddings. Use it at a wedding. Entreat me not to leave. I'm going where you go. And so when two people get married, that's what they're saying. We're going together. So Ruth and Naomi said, I'm going to stick with you. So uh, let's go back to Israel. Going back to Israel. Where Naomi is from. Naomi is from Israel. So she takes her daughter-in-law Ruth back to Israel. When she gets there, of course, they're flat broke. They've got nothing. Except for property. They've got property. Now, in Israel, God set it up very different from the way you and I deal with property. How do you get to own property? Buy it. From whom? Anybody that's got it. You want to sell me your house, I'll buy your house. And so property we buy from any old person, doesn't matter who it is. And we buy the property and uh, then we own it. We get a piece of paper that says you own this property. And it's mine until I decide to sell it. That's how we do today. That's pretty normal. Uh, back then, the property belonged to certain families. All right? And it could never change hands other than go from one generation to the next. So you couldn't sell your property. Now you could, might call lease it. Every 50 years, wherever, whoever was on the property had to turn it back to the family. So if you were gonna rent somebody's farm, you say, I wanna farm your property, uh, you had 50 years and you'd pay a lot for it. Maybe the only thing left on that 50 years is one year. Of course, then you wouldn't pay much because at the end of that, it goes back to the family. So it never left the family. So when Naomi left Israel, she had property. She had a farm. Her husband, Elimelech, who is dead, right, owned this property. And when he left, he didn't sell it. He probably rented it. To somebody, but when Naomi comes home, that's her property. She still owns it. So she has property, which is no good if there's nothing growing on it, right? What can you do? So, in order to survive, Ruth says, I will glean. Who knows what it means to glean? So, when the people go through and sign the so when they're harvesting a crop, like wheat mainly, 
little kernels fall on the ground here or there and uh, maybe there's some by a stone and they don't get that. So if you're a gleaner you go in and you pick up what's left on the ground. Anybody want to do that for a living? You're going to kind of be hungry, right? They ain't going to leave a lot. All right, so there's not going to be much there. So Naomi says, we have a relative. And his name is Boaz. So if you're going to glean, <coughs> I think you should go to his property and glean. So she comes along and she's gleaning. And now <coughs> when you're gleaning, you're bending over, right? You're all day bent over because you're picking up kernels of wheat off the ground. So she spends a half a day gleaning and somebody says, who's that? We don't know who that is. And they ask her and Boaz says, who are you? Well, I'm Ruth. Oh, you're related to Naomi, right? And you've been taking care of Naomi? Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad to know you. Naomi's a relative of mine. Her husband was my brother. Okay, so uh, you keep gleaning in my fields. And he goes to his workers. He says, uh, when you're harvesting, don't harvest that corner or that corner. Leave it. Why don't you leave grain all over the place? It's okay for them, but they got less work to do, right? So yeah, sure, we can leave it behind. And so Ruth comes home the first night. She's got a whole bushel basket full of wheat. That just doesn't happen to gleaners. And they always say, what happened? And they, she said, well, they, he told me, Boaz met me, we talked, and he said, you make sure you come here, and now I'm, got, I'm gleaning all kinds of wheat. Well, Boaz is taking care of you. He's got a good feeling about you. So I'm going to advise you uh, to do something. Okay, Ruth chapter 3. <clears throat> and this is what Naomi advised her to do. We'll start, uh, by the way, the harvest is over. Harvest only lasts a short time. Harvest is over, and so they're going to have a feast. <coughs> Celebrate. Uh, we call that what? Thanksgiving, right? That's what Thanksgiving is. It's after the harvest. And so they're having a Thanksgiving feast after they're right out in the field. Uh, and we begin at chapter 3 of Ruth, verse 7. Thou hast showed more kindness in the later, latter, and then at the beginning. 
much as thou followedest not young men, which poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am your kinsman, albeit the kinsman Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if, if he will perform unto thee the to be the part of the kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of the kinsman to part to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. Okay, so, uh, Boaz has a nice feast, feels good, lay down on the pile of wheat, taking a he's asleep. Wakes up, Ruth is laying down by his feet. What are you doing here? How come you're here? And she said, I'd like you to take care of me and Naomi. And he says, well, I am what Tess says, a near kinsman. Near kinsman. Now we know that Boaz's brother was Elimelech, Naomi's wife. So he says, I'm closely related to Naomi. Now, <clears throat> let's go over to Deuteronomy for some real crazy stuff. Chapter 25, Deuteronomy. Chapter 25. <clears throat> okay, let's start reading at verse uh, 5. son, her husband died. So, she says, I am a near kinsman to Boaz. 
or I'm a close family member. So if there's two brothers and they're married, or maybe one of them married and the other's not, and the guy dies, it's the other brother's job to marry the woman. And when they have children, name it after the one that died. Now remember I told you that family property would go on forever and ever and ever. Well, that's why he said if you're going to have children and your brother died, you got his property, you take that family name so that that name never goes away. If you die without children, your name is gone, right? Do you ever know anybody who's died out and their family's gone? Maybe you've never thought about that. But I've known people, their family, is, it's ended. They got no offspring and so on. So if, in these days, if your brother died, you're supposed to take his wife, if you can, all right, and take his wife and then marry her, and then the children will take the name of your brother that's died. So the name always is attached to a piece of property. Now, Boaz is not married, and Ruth says, you're near kinsmen, you're closely related, and to follow the rule, he says, you're supposed to marry me and take care of me. And so, if a guy refuses, in the old law back here in Deuteronomy, the guy says, I don't want to marry that woman. Then we take off his shoe and spit in his face. <laughs> Sounds like a great way to handle it, right? Mess around with me, I spit in your face. Take your shoe off. <laughs> I don't know why they did kind of things like that. People had different reasons and there's a reason for it so <clears throat> he wakes up Ruth is sleeping by his feet she says you're the nearest kinsman he said no I'm not there's somebody else that's closer than me alright I'm not sure uh, how it was closer but he said in the bloodline there's another guy and he would be the closest to you, his responsibility to marry you. So, in the morning, we'll see what he's got to say. So we go to chapter 4, Ruth. Here we go. See who spits in who and who takes their shoes off. Ruth 4, verse 1. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsman of whom Boaz spake came by. Unto whom he said, Oh, such a one, turn aside and sit down here. And he said unto the kinsman, Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, But if before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people, if thou wilt redeem it, but thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi? Thou must buy also a roof the Moabites, Moabites, the wife of the dead, to raise the name of the dead upon what they And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I am 
Merim, mine own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to myself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And this was the testimony of Israel. Therefore the king, kingsman said, said unto Abode, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, We are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's of the hand Naomi. Okay, so they have a little meeting in the gate. And it gets ten people and they sit there as judges. And this friend, this other near kinsman comes by and he says, uh, Naomi's got property, would you like it? Yeah, yeah, I want that property. Okay, so uh, if you're willing to buy it, then you are responsible for Ruth. So you'll have to pay Naomi for the use of the property for however long it was, up till 50 years. And then you've got to take care of Ruth, too. He says, I don't want that property. That property's no good. <laughs> what does he not want? He doesn't want Ruth. All right. Now, maybe he's got a reason. I mean, the first time he said, yeah, I want the property. And he realizes attached to it, he's got to take care of Ruth. He's a near kinsman. He goes, well... I guess I don't. He might be married, that's all. Maybe that's all it was. He was a married man. They can't have another wife. We got one already. And so that's entirely possible. So he says, you're next in line, near kinsman, Boaz. You have to uh, redeem the property. And so as part of it is to redeem this property. He's a redeemer. He's called a kinsman redeemer. And so he's going to pay Naomi for the property. He's going to pay money. And he'll probably pay something for Ruth to Naomi. And he'll become the owner of this property. And he will marry Ruth. Which he does. He marries Ruth because he has the responsibility as a near kinsman. It's his responsibility to do that. Right? So the Redeemer, kinsman Redeemer, is responsible for the young lady. Now, this is a picture, a shadow of Christ. Uh, now we're going to turn a few things, see if we can get it all straight in our mind. It's not a simple concept. It takes a little bit to think about. Turn to John chapter 1. It's really the only place you ever see it. 
it shows up a little bit in other spots, but where you really see it clear is this picture of Ruth and Naomi with Boaz, as she asked Boaz to take the responsibility, and he says, I'm a near kinsman. So Jesus is also, we call him a near kinsman redeemer. All right, now, John chapter 1, start reading wherever we are at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Okay, so, in the very beginning of all time, there was God, and there was someone called the Word, and He said they were together, and they were equal, and the Word was God. So we call that God the Father, and the Word is God the Son. All right, God the Son. Now, he said, nothing was made without God the Son. So when God created the world, who did it? Father and the Son. Actually, the Son created. And God said, I want to create this, and the Son created it. So he says, there's nothing made without Jesus. He made everything. What does everything include? You. God made you. God made the whole human race. He's still making people today. And He made you. So, God the Father and God the Son made you. Oh, is God your Father? God your Father. Do you pray and say, Our dear Heavenly Father? Everybody say that when you pray? Yeah, so He's your Father, right? God is your Father. We look at God as a Father. Why? Because He made us, He created us, He made you an individual that you're different from any human that ever lived. It's His doing. He made you that way. Alright? So, would you consider him a kinsman? Is God your kinsman? Are you like God? Let's do this thing. Oh, I'm not like God at all. So how can he be a kinsman? God is a spirit. God is all-powerful. God knows everything there is to know. How are you doing on those things? <laughs> We're a little short, right? We're a lot short. We don't know everything there is to know. We're not all-powerful. We're kind of weak, small human beings down here. 
So, if Jesus is supposed to be a near kinsman, and He made us, He created us, He said, well, God's our Father. Yeah, in one sense of the word, He is. So how is Jesus ever going to get to be a near kinsman to us? Alright, go down to verse 10. Start there. John chapter 1. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Okay, now, he came down into the world, and people said, we don't know who he is. That's why we talked this morning in church, right? They wanted to kill Jesus. Why? They didn't know who he was. They thought he was just some guy. We could kill him. We could get rid of him. So he came into the world. The world didn't know him. But if people believed in him, he gave them the chance to be what? The sons of of God. Well, we got to think about that. Now, in verse 14, read that one next. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Alright, so who's the Word again? Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus was, what did it say? What does it say before that? Jesus was made flesh. When did that happen? What? He's born in a manger. Right? You poke him, he cries. He gets hungry, he cries. Have you ever been around a baby? Do they do that? They do that all the time, don't they? They're crying about something or other all the time because they're babies. He was just like every other baby. Matter of fact, if you looked at him, you'd never know that was God, right? Look at him, that's just a baby. And a lot of people looked at him and said, he's just a baby. How'd they know he wasn't just a baby? Don't let me down on this. How did they know he wasn't just a baby? Okay, that's a little bit. Any more? More? Come on, don't let me down. More? How do they know who he is? What's that? Angels told them. Angels came down and said, this is God. He's going over there in Bethlehem. You can see him. So if angels tell you that's God, that's pretty good proof, okay? And the star is proof. And anything that happened, the wise men that came at his birth, all proof that he's something special. All right, but he looks human. Right? 
Is he human? Is he human? Is he half human? Is he God? Is he human? Is he both? How does that happen? Everybody do this. Hmm? Everybody do this. Go, hmm? I don't know how it happened. I can't figure it out. Nobody can understand how he can be both God and human, but we know that he's human. So he came down here and he became human. You think he's a little closer now to being a kinsman? Well, I think he's a lot closer. He's coming a lot closer than he did before to being human. Okay, now look at Galatians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Galatians chapter 4. <coughs> I want you to start reading at verse 4. Okay, so what's that saying? Jesus became human. All right, God sent his son, the word, Jesus, down to earth, and he was born of who? Mary, right? So now he's human. Verse 5. Uh huh. So God sent him down here, made him human. Alright. He looks human because he is human. And God sent him down here and he says, You're going to be a redeemer. And what's the other half of this? Kinsman redeemer. So what does a redeemer do? He buys something, right? What's he buy? Somebody else has. And so it says, Jesus is human now. He's coming a lot closer. He looks more like us. And he's sent here to redeem, to pay for something. And what's he paying for? Your sins. You did something wrong. So you're going to be punished for it. And he said, no, wait a minute, let me. So Jesus is punished. He paid for you. He paid for you. He's a redeemer. Now you say, I still have trouble with this near kinsman thing. Don't seem like I'm related to him. Now read verse 5 again, Gid. Ah, so how are you getting into this family? How are you getting into the family? What does it say? You're going to be adopted. 
You're going to be adopted. So you're going to be a near kinsman to Jesus by adoption. So what happens when we get adopted? Verse 6. And ye are sons could have sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Anybody know what Abba means? It means Father. It's a little more personal. Uh, it's more like, and this is not exact, but it's the best way we can think about it. Daddy. Alright, so if you're going to say Father, it's kind of Okay, but when you say daddy, that's much more personal. So he says, there's a spirit coming into you, a spirit of adoption, and you're going to say, daddy, father. Or in other words, you're part of a family. Next verse. Seven. Wherefore thou art no more, no more a servant but of God, and if a son, then So he said, now, you've been adopted into a family. Whose family? Jesus, right? Jesus said, he adopted you into the family. That makes you a near kinsman, right? Now you're in his family. You're near kinsman. All right, and what does he call it there? He says, now you get to share what? What does it say in that verse? Look at the verse. Don't look at me. What does it say in the verse? If you're a son, then you're a what? You're an heir. You're an heir. So you own the property that Jesus owns. What happens up here? The near kinsman redeemer buys the property and it stays in the family. Jesus became a near kinsman redeemer. That is, he got down here, became human. Then he said, as a human, I'm going to adopt you into my family and now we will be near kinsmen. I will pay for you. I'll be your near kinsman redeemer. And because of that, you become part of everything I own, you can have a piece of it. Where's your piece? Where's your piece? Where do you own something? What's up there? Mansions, yeah. Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. So as part of his family, him being our near kinsman now because he came to earth, came human, adopted us into his family, we now get to own what he owns, and he owns heaven. All right? And he says, I'll give you a place up there all your own. Every one of you, if you believe in Jesus, has a home in heaven. I'll sit there waiting for you. How's that sound? I like being part of this family. Now, I got a house that I inherited from my father. It's a nice little house. I'm going to live in it someday. But it falls apart a little bit every day. All right? I got to fix the plumbing now. Plumbing don't work. And this don't work. I'm always fixing something. That house up there is Jesus stuff. It don't fall apart. It's in perfect condition and will be that way forever. And it's mine. I own it.
and I don't need to go to a bank and pay a lawyer to get it because I'm near kinsman to Jesus. I'm a part of his family. And he said, I will give you the property I own. So the near kinsman redeemer is a very powerful message about Jesus Christ. That he came down here to earth to get close enough to us so he could be our kinsman. Near kinsman. He came down here to be our kinsman. God said, when you go down there, I want you to redeem them. He's our near kinsman redeemer. We're adopted into his family. And we become a part of the family by owning the property that he owns. Got it? You can explain it to anybody that asks. I'll have Levi ask you next week. Thank you. Good job.